The people have spoken, and Jeff Ross has returned for Roast Battle 2. The Fortnite event features top comedians getting verbally violent until just one is left standing. Featuring a star-studded lineup of judges, including Snoop Dogg, Sarah Silverman, and Jason Sudeikis, this is a battle you don't want to miss. The Fortnite event begins January 26th at 10, 9 central on Comedy Central. And don't miss the live finale on Sunday, January 29th at 10, 9 central to see who gets crowned king or queen of cruelty. Welcome to the Soccer Podcast. My name is Chris Ryan. I am an editor at TheRinger.com, and I am joined, as always, by Ryan O'Hanlon. It's great to be back. No pause. Just right in there. No. It's Two-footed, it's, just like Granite Jaka. It's a new year. <laughs> um, I don't want to be compared to Granite Jaka. <laughs> he, uh, he's having a rough week. We'll probably get to that in a little bit. Ryan and I are here to run through the Premier League table. Uh, it's been such a busy, busy holiday season, and you're mm-hmm. really seeing that... Um, all the different competitions that uh, teams are playing in are starting to have their cumulative effect on teams such as Liverpool, who yep. all to be put our cards on the table. RIP. Ryan and I both cheer for. But this isn't a Liverpool podcast. It's a Premier League podcast. And let's start at the top of the table with Chelsea, who sort of won by not losing. I, they, they haven't, they, they've just, they keep tr- trucking along. All I do is see them in the Daily Mail going out for great team dinners. <laughs> Everybody's got like incredible acid wash jeans on. Shout out to you guys. Uh, Costa seems to be back in the fold after rumors that he was going to go off to China for like 150 million euros. I don't even know if you can pay in euros anymore. But like eight points clear mid-January, late January. I, I don't really know. This is all the, all over but the crying. Yeah, I. So much would have to change for them to, to blow this. Right, they have Liverpool and Arsenal coming up, correct? Yeah, and even if they lose both of those games, I don't. I th- I think they're still favorites to win. Right, because they do um, such a good job beating up on the teams beneath them. Yeah, they you know they lost to Tottenham a couple weeks ago, and that sort of seemed like it could be an inflection point in the season, and then they've just haven't lost since. Um, I think their their last seven games against the non non top six, they've scored sixteen and conceded two. Gosh, so <laughs> conceivably they could not win a game against the rest of the top six and just win out against yeah. the rest of the table and still basically trot to the title because all the other teams. The issue with all of the good teams in the Premier League this year is that like Arsenal or City or Tottenham has to like run the table against right. the top six to right. like. Be able to catch Chelsea, and the chances of that happening are just you know very low. Well, even if say Liverpool did do that, they would just like lose to Bournemouth and Burnley and Swansea apparently, exactly. since that's their recipe. We'll get to them in a minute. Uh, Chelsea, are you? They they have gone through a couple of wobbles. They had the pre-switching to the back three, like not incredible start, mm-hmm. where even in you know get, allowing for British tabloid journalism. Alarm! There was odds on Conte not making it to Christmas. Then they switched to the back three, win 10 in a row, uh, look like world destroyers. Then they have a slight flare-up with this Costa thing, which of all the positions I think that they could lose, I don't think they could lose Conte, and I don't think they could lose... I mean, Conte and Golo Conte, not Antonio Conte. They yeah. can't use, lose him either. But Conte is so important to them, and I think Costa does give their team... Just like a like a direction to to pull in, and every single attack they have, it's just like he is the focal point. Yeah, and even then, and then Hazard can go do his thing off of that. But am I overrating Costa's importance? No, I, I don't think so at all. I think one of the big 
drivers in their success since they changed formations. You know, they they just don't give up goals like ever yeah. anymore. And the attack is not it's not as good as Liverpool's or City's or even Man U or Tottenham. But Costa just every time he shoots, he scores. And like when you're not giving up goals and you have a striker that hot, like yeah, it, it's over basically. And I mean, he'll is he gonna? Will he cool down as the season goes on? Probably, but like at this point, they've built up such a lead that they can sort of budget for yeah. um, you know him scoring with every third shot instead of every second. There shot. had been rumors that they were gonna be in for Lorente from mm-hmm. uh, from Swansea, who I used to adore when he was on Bilbao. Yeah. Um, you know, I haven't really watched a ton of him since when he was at Juventus, and I think he's bounced around a little bit. Destroyed Liverpool. He just single-handedly like, tore Liverpool to pieces. <laughs> so seems like he still has a little bit to offer. But one thing he does is he's just like a really classic. Like he's in the box, he just like mm-hmm. makes things happen. He may not be like, oh, I can I can start the attack from outside of my own circle, but he 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 is a really good finisher. He does seem like your classy Chelsea Chelsea player, like yeah. the guy, the big body who's just gonna knock a ball in with his head or hit it in a rebound. And he he's a guy like I loved him when he was at Bilbao too, and then. Now, if I picture him on Chelsea, I like immediately hate him because yeah. he fits the team so well. Uh, let's go through the rest of the top four here, top five, top six, I guess, because we want to talk a little bit more extensively about Everton. But um, Arsenal winning games. I, I mean, I, it's weird. You know, th- th- this is another strange second place Arsenal team, where it's like you—they seem so far from Chelsea yet. I've somehow managed to get themselves above Tottenham and Liverpool in the in the table. It's weird because they, you know, City had the amazing start where they like were playing like a form of soccer we'd never seen in the Premier League, um, and then Liverpool after that were kind of on fire, and Tottenham recently have been like irresistible. But Arsenal have never really had a like sustained period of super impressive play, I yeah. guess. Um, which is what makes them being in second seem weird, and it's not like they've like been lighting the world on fire recently. I think the other teams around them have just been tripping up. Yeah, and they, they also sort of beat ended West up Brom, second. beat Crystal Palace, drew with Bournemouth in a pretty exciting game, and and smashed Swansea. So they're doing what they need to do, and 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 they're just beating the teams that are far beneath them. Yeah, and that, that's the thing that it's so close in the second through six spots yeah. that like. Arsenal getting a PK in the 97th minute is enough to put them in second place rather than fifth. Do you, you know, think that there's such a tight margin? Anyone for him to buy? And it, would, would anyone would buying anyone make a difference? Is there a is there a position for Arsenal that, that is glaring? Yeah, I th- I mean I think that the Cazorla injury weirdly hasn't reared its head yet, but mm-hmm. I think it will eventually. And I think they if they could find a guy that's like as good of a passer but as good of a ball progressor basically moving it forward whether it's dribbling or passing if they could get a guy to do that because Xhaka is just like a sideways passer essentially yeah. and El Nene is also a sideways tackler yeah exactly um, Xhaka did the thing that is just like <laughs> he's the guy like Rooney used to do this too where if Rooney was dropping deep and he got got the ball taken from him he would like chase a guy all over the field yeah. to tackle, you know, and you can always see that player when they kind of get embarrassed a little bit mm-hmm. for whatever reasons. That two-footer that Shaka put in that got him red-carded was like, dude, just, like, walk it off. Like, you should just... It was like watching it's, a guy <laughs> in a bar fight who's, like, he's going to go gonna go for it, but he really needs to, like... Just his friends need to walk him out of here right now. It's such a weird, like, 
you know, he's a guy that you would maybe describe as elegant, like the way he plays, because he's tall and like such yeah. a plays nice passes. But then when he doesn't have the ball, he's like a madman with his head cut off. Like, Damien may need to ban tackling in the Premier League. I think like <laughs> three guys can do it. When I now when I watch it, it's, it clearly isn't like. They, they got on Guardiola for saying he doesn't coach tackling, but it doesn't yeah. look like anyone's coaching tackling right now. Yeah, well, there's that like famous Javi Alonso quote where he's like... Um, like Spurs know how to tackle. That's pretty yeah. much it. <laughs> well, Javi Alonso's thing is like, if I have to tackle, I've already fucked up. Right. Um, so Xhaka's fucking up all the time. Speaking of the best tacklers in the Premier League, um, Tottenham, when they are on, like when they are playing in the second half against Man City, when they are all healthy and they can bring in Sun off the bench mm-hmm. or, or or whatever, but like position to position, I feel like Tottenham is the strongest team in the league. In terms of, and I know that Chelsea is just so far and away the best, but if you were going to do a you know, a best of if you were to do a home and away championship like for for the, for yeah. the Premier League, I would probably bet bet on Tottenham right now. Mm-hmm. They are a little bit of a hot and cold team, and I, I know that you have some ideas about about why they are playing the way they are right now. But when you just look at that team from top to bottom, it it is like a platonic ideal of a soccer team. Yeah, it is, and I I think you're right in the sense that they, when they're like hounding you defensively, they're as good as Chelsea are, yeah. like, at not conceding goals, if not better. Um, like, I think they're better than the other two pressing teams, Liverpool. Liverpool and City, it's like the presses are great, but then they just give up goals as soon as you break through it. They're, and they, they actually have they have problems with plan Bs. Those yeah. teams do, yeah. Yeah, exactly, and Tottenham is, sw- like, at this point, they've switched to a back three, and they've been great since then, and we know that the back four they played with last year works too so they sort of have two systems that I think can work which I don't know how many other teams can say that but then they're also they're shooting more than any team in the Premier League um, so combining those two things like when when they're getting high quality shots with the with combined with the volume of shooting plus that defense I think you're probably right like they're well balanced but they're not balanced in a way that prevents them from reaching like a super high height yeah I mean Tottenham's a team that if they were three, four points closer to Chelsea, I would mm-hmm. say I, I think that they should try and go buy someone really good to help them. Uh, maybe a wing attack, because yeah. I don't really understand what's going on with Lamella right now. He's like in Rome, nursing an injury. His There's dog like, is ill. I think his I dog think. passed away. Or I mean, it's, passed but away. it's just strange. Like I, that story is odd. He was playing pretty well. Yeah. But one of the things with Tottenham and the way that they play, Arsenal have a pretty uh, notoriously. Wenger has like a system, but he's very like he's very in favor of players like expressing themselves and yeah, once he, they understand the principles, like they should just more go do it, right? Style than system, right. I guess is the way I would describe it. Tottenham, on the other hand, I feel like everybody on that team. One of the reasons why they're so good is that a bunch of them have been playing together for a while, yeah. Um, and they all understand their roles. They all understand where they're supposed to be in relation to one another. They know that when you go, you know, the fullbacks yeah. know when to go forward. The 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 back three knows how to defend. Yeah. So bringing in someone who I'm trying to think of like go buy some fast winger from Germany or something or even even pick somebody up off of uh, off of like the Bournemouth pile or something I just don't know if that would necessarily like make a big difference for them at this point plus they probably have some kid that's really awesome that I don't even know about yeah it, it's here where you sort of think about the Musa Sissoko signing they made this summer yeah. and just realize that that like was a pretty big whiff yeah um, and if they signed someone who was like actually able to contribute like where would they be um, but yeah, I 
the thing with their system is that it, it's it requires a very specific player and yeah. to get a specific player and in the January levels that they want yeah, yeah. You're, you're gonna be getting like a B minus version of a player you have um, and I, I I Tottenham will have fixture pile up with the, uh, the Europa League, um, so they could maybe use a little more depth. Yeah, but it's, it's interesting that they went on this run after the Champions League exit. Yeah. Um, are they still, which domestic cups are they in? Uh, FA Cup, yeah. they're out of the EFL. I mean, they could, the, the back line, the center backs are sort of um, hurting right now, so yeah. I guess you could bring someone in, but, you know, as we've seen, picking center backs is like, you know, shooting fish in a barrel or yeah. not shooting fish in a barrel whatever right. the opposite of that is it's very difficult yeah <laughs> yeah I mean then that's it's something hard that to shoot Wenger tries barrel, to get a center actually. back like he'll bring one in yeah. s- seemingly once per year and that he'll try to get a deal on somebody or whatever and you just you know I, I don't know Koscielny and uh, and what's the, the Mustafi Mustafi are playing pretty well but yeah. they're not on the level of the Tottenham guys uh, let's keep going down through the table here I want to talk about this group of teams in a brick together Liverpool City and Man United um, United is in sixth, four points behind Liverpool, two behind City, yet probably have more, like, I don't know if you want to call it momentum, but, like, the narrative around United is that Mourinho has, like, saved the season and has everybody loves playing at Manchester United, and they're going to go crazy in the transfer market in the summer, and, you know, they're put, making a push for the Champions League now. Whereas the narrative around Liverpool and City, who are above Man United, is very much... Um, Basically, Emperor has no clothes, mm-hmm. hubris of the manager, and <laughs> now they're actually like you know going to have to p- come come with some tricks, yeah, to save their seasons. Uh, what do you think about these three teams? I think they're like all roughly as good as each other, despite the narratives. I think Manu, you know, Mourinho has saved the season, but. He also just like just start decided to start playing the best attacking player on the team, Henrik <laughs> Mkhitaryan. Like holding him out of the lineup and then playing him is a way to sort of create a narrative in your favor. But it's also a way to like they're they're still kind of far back from the t- finishing fourth. Yes, like you need te- a bunch of teams to trip up, and you basically can't fuck up at all. And again, with schedule, it, it's worth mentioning Man United's. Sort of renaissance comes along with beating Sunderland, Middlesbrough, West Ham in the FA Cup, Reading, sorry, West Ham, Reading in the FA Cup, Hull, and drawing with Liverpool. Yeah. And and then drawing with Stoke. So it's like, this is not exactly like Barcelona 2006. (laughs) I agree. I mean, it's, if anything, like them playing poorly at the beginning of the season, both from like an analytical underlying number perspective they were doing poorly and from a results perspective also um you know doing poorly at the beginning of the season now you know makes it seem like okay everything's fine yeah but like they're they're you know that Mourinho seems to have lowered sort of the expectations at United in some way yeah you know like now it's like if they finish top four it's like that's amazing but like you don't buy Pogba and Ibrahimovic to just finish in the top four yes right yeah um while with City and Liverpool I think it's you know I think these are two teams that play very sort of high variance styles and we're seeing tell me what that means I, I think they both they both press a ton and they both attack in like very aggressive um 
ball dominant ways. So they're they're always on the ball and they're always sort of trying to force it toward goal at yeah. the same time. So it's like balancing directness and possession dominance. So like you have the ball a lot and you're just going directly toward the opponent opponent's goal. Like that's a good equation, but when you lose it, your defense is sort of exposed and they straight up just don't have elite defenders no and i mean the other question is like are how many defenders in the world could actually function these in these right. systems and like shore up the defense like they're both if they if man city had tottenham's back three yeah how, how good would they be i think they would be better like yeah. that that's a one where i'm like confident in saying that those guys could play or if they had chelsea's back three this system yeah, yeah. okay um i mean david louise yeah i mean i guess you never know what's yeah. gonna happen with that guy um, but like Liverpool and City, they don't give up a lot of shots either team. But the quality of shots they give up are like as bad as Swansea, yeah. basically, who's the worst defense in the Premier League. They are both going through these stretches of of difficulty, and I think it's calling a lot of like putting a lot of attention on Klopp and Guardiola, mm-hmm. but for different reasons. Klopp has um. Klopp has generally engendered a lot of like goodwill around Liverpool, and I love him. You love him. Like yeah. the players seem to, you know, would, would run through a wall for him, and they are literally running through a wall for yeah. them. I don't think it's a coincidence that this fixture pileup that they had over the holidays, where Chelsea didn't have a ton of games comparatively, yeah. has really like brought Liverpool down a lot. There's a very simple explanation for what's happening with Liverpool is that they were without Coutinho for a while, and now they're without Mane, and yeah. those are the two best players that they mm-hmm. have. And if any team loses their two best players. They would suffer. You yeah. know. That being said, I think that Liverpool's failure against teams beneath them is a real head scratcher. And I don't think it's mental. I think it is tactical to some extent. Yeah, and I mean part of it is like if a Liverpool's philosophy is predicated on the other team losing the ball and then that presenting like an easy attacking situation for Liverpool. Right. Right. And like playing against a team that doesn't need, doesn't want yeah, to have Burnley the ball. Yeah, Burnley doesn't want the ball. It's like, what do you do? Right. I, I don't know if they have the sort of like intricate attacking play to like consistently break that down. So right. it leads to a bunch of, you know, shots from outside the box. They are sort of reminding me of like a couple of, of some Arsenal teams from years uh, years ago, like the Fabregas era, where I, they were just, they had a way that they wanted to play. Mm-hmm. And if that was taken from them, it was 50-50 as to whether they'd be able to adjust to the tone of the game. Yeah. And I just remember Arsenal being very susceptible to long throw-ins and, and, mm-hmm. and route one and getting challenged like that. Not in like a physically uh, deficient way, but just in like a tactical way. They just didn't yeah. seem to know how to like handle that. Well, and you're seeing that same thing with Liverpool. Like Liverpool's getting bossed around a little bit in the, in the box. Yeah, it does seem, it's weird. It, like in the Man U game, Man U brought on Fellaini and just started lobbing the ball like up toward the box. Mm-hmm. And watching Liverpool try to stop that, it did feel like every time the ball was heading toward the goal, like they were vulnerable yeah. in a way that like most teams aren't. Right. And I don't know, maybe that's because I'm like a neurotic Liverpool fan, but I think that, that there's just like the, the team's just not built. It doesn't really know how to stop that. Right. I, I mean, it's not like they were getting pounded on by Manu, and Manu ultimately needed an offside goal to tie the game. But like it did, it. There's another world where Manu scores twice. I think. Um, sure. In that situation, I think that's sort of the the bigger issue with Liverpool. Like ultimately, things are good at Liverpool. Like they're 
they were projected to come in sixth this season. Now they're projected to finish in the top four, top three. Um, they haven't really ever settled on a midfield. They've no. kind of had this rotation. They're basically playing striker by committee. Yeah. Their best lineup is a buzzsaw up top that goes striker by. It's Coutinho, exactly. but Mane, they, and Firmino. The yeah. thing is, like, you have the team you have, right? And you know that you have those players. So August begins. You're not changing your roster until January, right? So you know that you have to get all these and players. And you know Mane's going to Africa. Yeah, exactly. But it seems like watching them, especially recently... You know, the biggest issue with them recently, the defensive mistakes are obvious, but, like, the attack just isn't what it once was. You right. can deal with the two defensive mistakes a game if you're scoring three or four goals a game. And without Coutinho, uh, Mane, and Roberto Firmino, like, the attack just isn't what it is. And they don't have another player like those three to plug in. Right. So I think you need to, you need to just accept that you have... Daniel Sturridge, who's a different kind of player, Which and, is, and you play a way and to... And I don't want to make this like a Liverpool podcast, but like I do sometimes wonder, isn't it a really obvious plan B, if you have a healthy Sturridge, to play a slightly more traditional version mm-hmm. that Dor- of Dortmund's 4231 mm-hmm. and have Sturridge just playing up top, yeah. sole lone striker, three attacking f- midfielders, Coutinho, however you want to line that up, yeah. Lolana, and then have a double pivot that's provide some cover for the back four. Yeah. It just seems like a much more like obvious second lineup. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, exactly. Sometimes I just wish yeah. that it wasn't always like, oh, we're going to put this guy here. And I think a lot of team, fans of other teams, I'm sure, watching Mkhitaryan not play, like they were probably like, crying for that. Like, you can understand this isn't just like the bias of like our fandom. Yeah, the saying. thing I think we need to realize is that like the formations you play have to fit the players you have and the, the style you play has to fit the players you have. So okay, you can't... So that, that is a perfect jumping off point then to City. Yeah. Right? So they are almost... And I, I, I really, really, really want the City thing to work out for yeah. Guardiola. I don't really care one way or the other about City, but like... The the I, I want his ideas and I want him to be successful in the mm-hmm. Premier League and to change like to continue to ele- innovate with the game. But I am I'm just mystified by some of the stuff he does. Like what? Uh, like Yaya Torre as the sole defensive midfielder in a yeah. game against Tottenham, which I guess sort of was working for a while. The way did Zabaleta play play the double double pivot with with Torre that game? I can't remember. <laughs> I, I think it was just Torre with like attacking midfielders. Yeah, with, with like six attackers. Yeah. <laughs> But the thing is, like, this is the, the thing with City. It's like they, you can watch their games, and it's like, I would say you can say this about almost every game they've played this season. Like, there's a version of that Tottenham game where that Sterling penalty gets called, and Gabriel Jesus is not offsides, and they win 4-2, uh-huh. and everything's fine. Yes, everything is fine, but it doesn't change the fact that they, those guys... Like, Claudio Bravo might not be, like, a Premier League yeah. goalie, and he's playing uh, keepy-ups while he's getting <laughs> hounded by Tottenham's front line. Yeah, it's Like, true. you just have to acknowledge the fact that you're going to get your ass pressed <laughs> if you're playing in Spurs. You guys can't kick, I, like, it, it, 60% it, hard balls back and forth yeah. along the, the back line. It's crazy. Yeah, I think there's there's two things to consider here. There's one, like, the idea that Guardiola plays like a, a difficult probably system for a player to fit into and you bring him in this is Carlo Ancelotti said this in an interview recently he said if you bring in Guardiola you you bring him in 
and you force the players to adapt to his system because if you're not playing his system, what's the point of sure. having Guardiola? So he needs time for the players to adapt, right? Yes. He deserves that. City, I think, of any team have undergone the biggest stylistic change from this last year to this year. Um, and that's that's not easy. Like Tottenham in Pochettino's first season, they were kind of terrible. Yeah. Um, it took him a while to figure it out. Um, but at the same time, you need to know that like there's are going to be difficulties with that if you're Guardiola, right? And I think he's he's spoken about not really realizing how important like quote second balls are as far as yeah. like yeah, the yeah. ball after a long ball gets played, who wins the ball off of the header, right? Because that's what teams in England do when you press against them; they just bomb it over your head, and right. then you have to deal with it. And that's like in a like nice world where everyone's trying to play like good soccer on the ground you know that doesn't happen but like that's just not where like things are so you have to have a way to deal with that and i don't think city 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 totally has um against everton which they lost four nothing on january yeah. 15th i saw there was one patch of play like early on where it was just you could see what they were doing. They mm -hmm. were trying to draw out a team that was chasing the ball. They were trying to wear them down a little bit, and they were basically trying to carve them up where you'd swing across. You know, they'd go from Stones back to the back to Bravo, out to Otamendi, mm -hmm. like, and across the the sort of back line in these in these kind of complicated passing patterns. And Lukaku was hounding, and other Everton players were mm -hmm. hounding. And I could see what they were trying to do. They were trying to like open up a whole side of yeah. the field for De Bruyne or for Silva or Sterling, so that there would basically be like a secondary counter, like yeah. a, a delayed counter yeah. attack. That's a good and way to put it. it would be. Like, the idea was there, but the execution was faulty. And then there would just be, like, once they even... There was even one time where they got the the side of the field that they wanted. I think it was either Clichy or Sanya, like, had the, like, the run and also had Sterling. And he made, like, a pass to Sterling, who was just across the halfway point. And it just, like, was a bad pass that also bounced off Sterling's ankle and went out. And Everton got the ball back. And it was... Yeah. And I think... I don't think... I think Everton might have scored pretty quickly after that. They get singed on the counter. Well, that's the thing. That, that game... I think Everton had four shots on goal. Yeah. And they scored with all four. So there are like 75 different reasons for why that happens. Like maybe part of it is luck, bad luck, yeah. right? A small part of it. But then there's also like, could the goalkeeper have done more? Should you, if you're City, do you need a goalie that can, can stop shots? Can, yeah. yeah. Like a shot stopper. Yeah. Um, you know, the midfield should probably be slowing down an attack to make it not as dangerous. The defender should be blocking shots more often. So yeah. there's like a bunch of different a bunch of different things. But it, it it's city and the same with Liverpool. It I don't want to sound like Sam Allardyce where I'm just like he's gotta go back to like the basics, but I think what he's doing with fullbacks is brilliant. I love yeah. the idea of basically playing like a four one six or whatever the hell he's playing. Yeah. But it's just I think that you're also starting to see and we can go into Everton now there's a degree to which these guys are uh, uh, some of this team is just too old to maybe both philosophically adapt to what Guardiola is asking them but I don't even know if they're in good enough shape yeah, and Koeman has talked about <laughs> instituting like basically the Southampton uh, training regimen in Everton mm -hmm. and getting when he got to Everton just being very under unimpressed by how how the guys were playing and how they how the, what kind of fitness level they were at. Everton looks awesome right now. Like they looked really really strong against City and they, I think they've just been 
they're just all of a sudden a very exciting team. There was a fascinating story in The Guardian this week, uh, if you guys can get a chance to check it out, which was about the sort of murky aspects of Everton's ownership and whether mm-hmm. uh, Alisher Uspinov, who has like a 30% hold a stake in Arsenal, but through various holding companies and investments, you may or may not have also have a stake in Everton. Yeah. Not officially, but is... And, you know, a company that Usmanov owns is sponsoring Everton's new training facility, which is not, like, something that requires sponsorship. It's not, mm-hmm. like, a, a real marketable yeah. entity. So there's... It's interesting, they're like, and they're talking about building a new f- stadium, but they've got a lot of really good young players, and mm-hmm. Kuman's really doing a good job over there. Yeah, and then... They're still in seventh, you know. Yeah, and they're probably going to finish in seventh, which is just like, it's just I guess the reality for a team like that. Um, but yeah, they're they're like the the moves they made this summer. I think both of us probably were kind of like rolling our eyes at some of them. Um, Yannick Bellassi, um moves like that. Um, they've won four out of their last five. Yeah, and they've been great, basically, in all of those games. Um, the the last sort of game where they were, like, run off the field. They weren't even run off the field, but they didn't really have a handle um, in the Liverpool game uh, in the middle of December when Liverpool scored at the end. Yeah. They were kind of, like, on the back foot for the last 80, 70 minutes. Um, but, you know, the bringing in a guy like Morgan Schneiderlin, it's like that's we haven't really even seen what kind of effect he'll have on the team, um, yeah. which is sort of and Davies, bodes well who's for this them. kid at, like, that they've just discovered. Yeah, the 18-year-old yeah. Um, who looks like he's going to be great and wears his shin guards very low, which <laughs> is the mark of uh, a true hard man. Um, but, like, that that's a smart... Everton is for the most part, seem to be doing the right things for, like, a team. I can tell this is really tough for you to, to give them credit. <laughs> they, Go ahead. They're, they're doing the things that, like, a team in their position kind of should do to sort of punch above their weight, I guess. You bring in Komen, who, like, on his day can outmanage anyone in the Premier League, mm-hmm. probably. You sign a guy like Schneiderlin, who, for reasons unclear, is out of favor at one of the big teams. But might be like one of the best midfielders in the Premier League. Who knows? Yeah. We haven't Schneiderlin seen could have he helped any of in... the teams above Man U that Man, U was, yeah. Man United was never going to sell him to. The other thing is he could have helped Man U, probably, um, which is great. I know you're not supposed to call him Man U. I don't know why, but yeah. <laughs> we do it, though, yeah. and we're going to keep doing it. I'm going to say another thing that, that I was really impressed with, something that Everton did, and it's the difference between, in that middle part of the, of the table, it's the difference between Everton and Southampton, mm-hmm. is Everton kept Lukaku. Yeah. He's 12 goals this year. You know, I mean, I, I, could you have made that up somehow? Maybe, but Everton typically does not. They they bought a lot of strikers over the years yeah. that never really worked out. Yeah, um, it's not easy to being able it. to keep your best players matters. <laughs> yeah. um, and it shows that you you're going somewhere, and that is for whoever owns Everton. Like, did it, they did a good job to keep Lukaku because I think he is, like, one of the best young strikers in Europe, honestly. Yeah, without a doubt. And especially, you talk about the English game, you talk about those second balls and winning the set, mm-hmm. like, hounding down a second ball that maybe it was a 50-50. Like, he is one of the strongest strikers in the league in terms yeah. of, like, just, what are you going to do with him? He must be, ter- like, terrifying to play against. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, like, it's bad enough if it's just, like, a small, like, 
Nat, like Shane Long, chasing yeah. you around on a second ball, but Lukaku just like running at you, getting on the ball in space is just like, like I don't even know what you do. Yeah, I, I would just walk off the field. Um, but the other, like the other thing is like. I guess they kind of probably had to make a decision between keeping Lukaku or, or Stones because yeah. um, Everton's just not in a place where they can turn down that sum of money twice, I don't yeah. think. And they, they obviously made the right choice. For now, at least. I just, yeah. you know, I, I guess y- y- you go back. Center backs can be really expensive, you know yeah. what I mean? And um, I think when people identify some th- quality in them, obviously Ferguson paid a lot of money for Ferdinand. That was one of the most definitive. And what was one, wound up being a de- one of the definitive... Yeah buys of that decade for him mm-hmm. um Ferdinand and Vidic were like miserable to play against yeah but you know you see like City has spent like probably 200 million euros on center backs over the last five mm-hmm. years and they they basically are still waiting for Vincent Company to come back from debilitating injuries yeah um it's tough man I, I think they made the right decision too and I'm sure Stones will get better yeah uh, I think he's playing in a system that asks him to basically relearn how to play the game yeah. But yeah, I agree with you, man. Like they they made the right choice there. So the question for Everton, I feel like is <clears throat> with Lukaku going forward, are they going to keep him forever? Maybe. Yeah. Maybe not. Right. But do you kind of like what do you what do you take away from the fact that you're like the clear seventh best team? Um does that make you more will like more likely to keep Lukaku and try to like get that one year where you make a big jump. Yeah. But even if you make the jump, it's like then you finish in fifth, maybe. It's you know? it's so. it's a really good question. It's the question that sort of faces a couple of these teams in the middle. Um, if you're Everton, what is success? Right? Is it Champions yeah. League and a new stadium mm-hmm. and uh, you know some extra money from playing in Europe or maybe some like deep cup runs. What happens if AC Milan? I mean, maybe that some of the Italian teams aren't right, but like, what happens if Juventus is like, we want Kuman next? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. um, I I think that they are in a tough spot because this league turned into a big six. Yeah, and they have like a legit shout of, at at being as good as some of these top six teams, and and that, that if they could get some depth, and if they can play their cards right, like they could really be close to Champions League football I mean they are if they stay this hot yeah you're right they're still five points behind United I mean yeah. they are they, it's tough and I and I don't know what to, I don't know what the prescription is for Everton I don't know what the prescription is for in a lesser to lesser extent West Brom Stoke Southampton West Ham has been so up and down this year I just don't yeah. even know like I, I feel like one get they'll beat with a win four two they'll lose three times in a row then they'll like I, I don't even know what that team's about yeah I, I think Everton is, if anything, the most stable of all those teams. I right. mean, I guess Southampton is. But stable. Southampton's like a perfect example of they sold like they but didn't he, keep. So anybody. here's here's the thing. So you're you're Everton and you have this team and you're the seventh. So you got team. Barkley of Davies. Yeah, you yeah. have Lukaku, Lukaku Schneiderlin. Yeah. Um, you can make moves that could like maybe vault you up the table a little bit, but they could also maybe backfire and drop you down the table. I guess. If you like, so if they you, tried if you to try get, to like, make a big money, like, like a thirty-five, yeah, you tried making like a thirty-five million dollar signing or something, right. and then it, it's just like the guy doesn't do anything for you, and then that money wasn't spent elsewhere. People get hurt, your squad's thin, and then you drop down the table. Yeah, and they were. Or do you like do stuff 
to like consolidate yourself as the seventh best team bring in like a couple more like everton quality players to fill out the team and make sure you keep finishing in seventh and then go from there i i think that to some extent and we're seeing this a lot with we we had talked about before with chelsea and liverpool's um rise being in conjunction with not having European football mm-hmm. and Liverpool's fall being in conjunction with being very busy with FA yeah. Cup EFL games mm-hmm. and having a really busy Premier League schedule for Everton I think they just need to make a plan yeah. do they want European exposure by going into Europe, Europa League but sacrifice probably the ability to get into the Champions yeah. League unless they win Europa mm-hmm. that's one option do they want to basically punt on all other competitions but the Premier League yeah. and target fourth or third and make themselves into a European like a Champions League team yeah. I think that, that you could you could target that I don't know how much money there is in playing in the EFL Cup if it means you have more practice time to focus on games. And second of all, with Everton, I mean, like, I, let me look at the, what they've done this year in terms of teams beneath them. I, I think that Everton needs to be one of those teams that just destroys all the teams beneath them. Yeah. You know, they can lose to everyone above them, but beneath them, they need to basically get three every time. Yeah, I mean, they they most recently, their slip-up was what? They tied Hull 2-2. They drew it Hull. You know, yeah. But then they just crushed Southampton, who is essentially and they, there. And they lost to Watford in, in December. Yeah. yeah. They need to beat Watford. They need to beat Hull. They need to beat Sunderland. They need to beat Burrow. They need to just beat all those teams. And then they can like just hope for the best against the teams yeah. above them. Yeah. I mean, I guess the other thing to consider is, if you're Everton, I guess, is like last year, if Everton was this good, maybe they finish like in the top four. Because it, of the, it, it's impossible yeah. to know because you're not going to just translate their win percentage till last year because the teams were worse last year and so do you if you're Everton are you just kind of like okay the top six is amazing and these teams are going to stay like this or are you kind of like you know there's a future three years from now where Guardiola flames out like Mourinho out last is welcome Pochettino goes to Real Madrid uh, Wenger's obviously still coaching Arsenal. Um, <laughs> I think you have to like. Do you bode like? Do you accept the reality as it is? Like these teams are just always going to be this good, or do you kind of think you know there's a chance that like one or two of them have some institutional issues and we can slide in? I think you have to bet on. I think you have to hope for that. And if I think if I were them, I would just bet on or try or invest in trying to find Suarez coming out of Ajax, yeah. um, Alexis Sanchez at. You know, what was he, Sampdoria or where, where did he Udinese. use? Udinese. Like yeah. finding the guy who's just about to go up. Yeah. And even if you're only the stepping stone to Barca or Real yeah. or wherever, basically putting yourself in a position where you're getting um, two prime, uh, pre prime and prime years yeah. of a player who's obviously going to be a superstar. And I, I like guess. there's like, I th- and, and that's hard because teams like City and Chelsea are. They'll just have guys on their books and let them sit, and you know, they have obviously access to get people like Gabriel and yeah. and Leroy Sané. That yeah, but Sané should be on Everton. Every he would start every game. Yeah, and we I, we talk about this a lot with other sports, but keeping Lukaku is maybe some like marker for players. I you think want so. To bring in. I think so. And and Lukaku is that is is possible. You, you could definitely see him 
playing somewhere else in a couple of years, like on one of the bigger teams in Europe. Yeah, if he keeps it going. Well, so. and Lukaku is just another one of the. He was at Chelsea, and they they took him from Chelsea. Like right, that's exactly. not a bad approach either. Uh, let's get through the rest of the table before we go here. Uh, I want just you know stop me if there's a team you want to talk about a little bit. Southampton is having one of those seasons where up and down in the league, but have clearly like yeah. they've got a cup run here. And I think they'll they'll rise to around right below Everton. Okay, eventually. So you think they'll jump over West Brom, who? Playing poolless ball mm-hmm. and Stoke, who have all the cool, like, but not cool anymore European players. It's on funny, yeah. We were excited about all the cool guys they got, then they were on Stoke for a year, so then it just washes away all the Well, colors. I think it's also like old Stoke always shows its head. I mean, I know Arnatovich is playing well for them, but like, <laughs> I still feel like they play John Walters over Bojan. He's, John Walters will be there for the next yeah. 25 years. Um, that group there, so you think Southampton's going to go up? West Ham, I, I just have no idea. You yeah. know, I, the Payet thing is really weird. I sounds like there's like a West lot of Ham stuff. fans are just not in a good place. No, at no. all. Um, I, and I think that they hit their stadium, and I think that's yeah. it's really tough. It's you an know? issue, and I think that there isn't a home field advantage, and when it's like literally a home field disadvantage, it's yeah. tough. Bournemouth, I'm glad they're in the Premier League. I hope Eddie Howe gets a big job down the line. Um, Watford, they're. I think Watford is safe yeah I think they'll be fine they're like I like having Watford in the Premier League because they are always just buying random like dudes that you saw playing for Columbia at the World Cup like three years ago I like that that system is fun to watch are Leicester safe Uh, yeah I think so just having Mares and Vardy like guys that are that good even though they're not really doing anything this year it's just like they're better than a lot of these teams. I, they're, if you want for some stats, their like expected goal differential is three, and their actual goal differential is or negative three, and their actual is like negative thirteen. Yeah. So they're sort of a little unlucky, which is a reversal <laughs> from last year. Um, so I think they'll, I think they'll be fine. Is Conte worth one hundred and fifty million euros? I, yeah, basically. <laughs> like it's just. There's never been a clear example of like a guy leaving the team falls apart and a guy going to a new team and the team like blows up. Yeah, it's just insane. Uh, He's going to win the Premier League back to back years. It's ridiculous. Um, Of these, this group of team here, I think Leicester and Borough are going to be fine. Swansea, Crystal Palace, Hull City, and Sunderland are the ones where like uh, you skipped over our favorite team, Burnley. Yeah, Dice, how's he doing? I'll I'll just repeat the stat that I told to you the other day. Yeah, Burnley have one point on the road this entire season. Good one. And somehow they're like gonna be safe. <laughs> I, Burnley should do a Brexit, but just for Burnley. Where they like, they're there's just, just a Burnley league. league, so they, they don't have to travel. <laughs> and then Sean Dyche can just be like, we're doing this. I'm the Ancelotti of the Burnley league. <laughs> um, yeah, I, Burnley, I, I don't like to watch them play soccer, sorry. Sean Dyche should change his name to, like, something Italian or start pronouncing his last name, like, Dice. Yeah, he should. That was, that was, Allard, Allardyce was like, if it was Allardyce, yeah. I'd be, like, managing Inter. Um, I, Burrow, uh, is, I think, is clear. I think Swansea, actually, just based off that Liverpool performance, I think if Clement can get them, if, if he can get 80% of that every time out, like, yeah. I think they can get out of there. So that leaves Palace... Which you would bet on Allardyce because typically he yeah. saves teams. Uh, Hull, I think, is the lost cause, and uh, especially after losing um, more players this week. Yeah. And Sunderland, I just think, are going down. I don't think you can get back at it after 15 points. Yeah, it's. I think Sunderland are down. Hull have actually, like, 
I feel like every other podcast we ha- we've had, we've talked about how they were like the worst team in Premier League history. They've actually been like not awful, but they just dug such a big hole for themselves. And Palace, the th- like, you bring in Allardyce to f- stabilize things and you get you, you know, a sort of mediocre level of points right to save you that just like hasn't happened at all since he's come to palace which is concerning swansea i still like i just still have no idea it's like the it's the liverpool syndrome but for a bad team so like they've given up 51 goals this season so it's like you can easily picture a world where they somehow lose every game the rest of the season despite scoring in every game too um i think i would if I had to pick my bottom three right now, um, I would go with Hull, Sunderland, and Swansea. Okay, I like that. Um, I don't want to get too far ahead in projections and stuff like that. If I had to ask you right now, we'll obviously do another one of these before that. this, but who are the top four at the end of the year? Uh, Chelsea first, City second. Wow. Liverpool third, Tottenham fourth. Okay. I think uh, Chelsea, Tottenham, Arsenal, Liverpool. Your inner Arsenal fan reveals itself again. It's always a pleasure. Uh, We'll be back in a couple weeks to talk more about the Premier League. Until then, take care.